what then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for. But the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, ears that they should not hear unto this day. And David saith, Let their table be made a snare, and a trap, and a stumbling block, and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened, that they may not see, and bow down their back alway. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather, through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles to provoke Israel to jealousy. Now, if the fall of Israel be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy them which are my flesh, I might save some of them. For if the casting away of Israel be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, we live in difficult times, but we can expect our God to provide answers to the big questions in your life through His Word. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary. The Unchanging Word Radio Ministry is studying Romans chapter 11, verses 7 through 15. Well, what is God's purpose for Israel? Well, that is the question this chapter in Romans will answer. The Apostle Paul still wants his people to come to know the Savior, so here he is, writing to the Gentile Romans to inform them of God's plan for the nation of Israel. Now, we learn that Gentiles have come to know Jesus Christ as Savior because for the most part, the whole nation of Israel has rejected their Messiah. However, there is now still a remnant in the nation of Israel who are such by the grace of God, born-again Jews who are reaching their brethren with the gospel of Christ. So God is not through with his people, Israel. Well, as you and I study these chapters, we too can learn and know what God has yet planned for his people, the nation of Israel. So open your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 11, verse 7. Here is our teacher, Dr. Mitchell. Thank you. Good day, friend. I'm so happy for the letters that come in, uh, declaring how the Lord has blessed this ministry to your hearts. And you don't know what this means to me when I know that the Lord is blessing the truth to your heart and to your life. And I rejoice in the fact that so many of you have come into a uh, a place of reality before God in your lives, and the truth of God has become real to you. And I confess to you, I have also been amazed at the fact that so many have mentioned the fact that they have come into a, a knowledge of the wonderful grace of God. To think that they stand before God in all the righteousness and beauty of Christ. 
This seems to be a new, a new thought for them. And my friend, this is just simple gospel teaching. When Christ died on the cross, he not only died to put away our sins and to give us eternal life and to make us a child of God, but he died for the purpose of so satisfying the very character of God that God is free to pick up sinners like you and me who put their trust in the Savior, in his precious Son, that he we are made the righteousness of God in him. As you find it in 2 Corinthians 5.21, that he who knew no sin was made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so we're thanking the Lord today for the truth becoming so clear to your hearts. And we just pray that the Lord may, in a wonderful way, uh, touch your heart as we go into this truth. Now we're in the 11th chapter of the book of Romans. And we're dealing with the God's future dealings with Israel in the fulfillment of prophecy. Now this is this runs right along in in perfect accord with the preceding chapters. For you remember in chapter nine, God in his very righteousness, and he was righteous in doing this, God has a right to to choose the nation through whom his son should come. God certainly is righteous and has a right to to choose the nation who would represent him before the nations of the earth. God has a right to say what nation shall be the depository of the word of God. There's no one unrighteousness about that. But the trouble was, they thought that they were a special people and that anybody who was not in Israel was a Gentile dog. And they didn't want their God to be the God of the Gentiles. And the result was they were disobedient. And first thing you know, they were in idolatry themselves. And so the judgment of God fell upon them, which we find in chapter 10. At the end of chapter 9, what the Gentiles received by faith, they missed by their works. And of course, if the nation is that way, what about the individual? So when you come to chapter 10, we find that God always has saved people on the ground of his grace. And the result was in chapter 10 that they, they despised, they rejected a personal salvation, and then they rejected a universal salvation. And chapter 10 ends with the fact that God is still yearning over his people Israel, even though they were disobedient and gainsaying people. So the question is raised, then God's given us up. We're through. God's cast away his people. And Paul says that's not true. I'm a Jew, and the Lord has saved me. And you follow on from chapter 11, verse 2, running right down through chapter 6, and we find that although God has always had a people in Israel, the godly remnant who believed him on the ground of the grace of God, that he brought them to himself. God's always had them. And you must remember that even though Elijah did not know there was anybody else in the nation that loved the Lord. God said, I have 7,000 men who have never bowed the knee to Baal. As I said a while ago in the preceding lesson, only God knew who they were. And I'm afraid that this is true today. When you say you're afraid, yes, I'm afraid there are a great many people. I wouldn't know if they're Christians or not. In fact, sometimes Christians ask me or say to me, do you think so-and-so is a Christian? They do certain things. I don't know. I can't. 
I can't judge the heart of a person. If a man says to me that he is putting his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior, I'm not going to say he's a liar. That's between him and God. God knows whether it's real or not. I don't. Unless I see it manifested in his life. And there are times in a Christian's life when they wonder if they're the only one in the neighborhood that really, really loves the Lord. And God always has his people. He's always got a remnant. Even here in America, with our millions of people, God still has a remnant in America who love the Savior. We're a very small minority. That's true. That's true. It doesn't alter the fact that God has his people all over the world, individuals who receive Jesus Christ, God's blessed Son, as their Savior. They have passed from death to life, and they were saved entirely and only and completely on the ground of the grace of God. As we closed up in our last lesson by declaring to you that you can only be saved one way, and that's by the grace of God. As verse 6 says, two principles, either saved by works or you're saved by grace. I'm not going to repeat what I said the other day, but I'm going to say this to you now and then pass on. And that is, nobody has ever been saved by their works. Nobody. Not from Adam down to the present time. No one has ever been fitted, on, fitted for the presence of God on the ground of any works, either moral or religious or any other kind. One is only saved on the ground of the matchless grace of God. Not grace plus something. Grace by faith, A-L-O-N-E, alone. Now let's go on with our study. In verses 7 down through verse 10, what then the question is raised. After speaking of this question of grace and works, he said, What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, ears that they should not hear, unto this day. And David saith, Let their table be made a snare, and a trap, and a stumbling block, and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened, that they may not see, and bow down their back all the way. Let me just stop here and complete this division. What well, we had you remember in the first 10 verses, God hath not cast away his people. You notice in verse 7, Israel did not obtain that which they sought for. Why not? Because they were seeking it by works. And I repeat what we had at the end of chapter 9, what the Gentiles received by simple faith the Jewish people missed by their works. And I'm, I, I'm afraid that today in, in churchianity, I use that word instead of Christianity because Christianity uh, is life in Christ. But a person can belong to a church and we have churches, thousands upon thousands of churches. And yet I wonder sometimes how many really, really know the Savior. Now, I'm not a judge of that. Please don't misunderstand me. It's just because of my heart's desire that those of you who make a profession of being Christians, that it's a real thing. You know, like someone says, well, Mr. Mitchell, what do you think I am, a pagan? No, 
I'm not talking about whether you're a pagan or not. I'm talking about the question, have you had a personal relationship with the Savior? And let us not be like the Israelites who, for the most part, they said, God is our God, Jehovah's our God, we're God's people, we're not Gentiles, we're God's people. And yet their lives were full of disobedience. And God had to judge and discipline them. But God didn't cast them away. All I want for you, as I want for myself, that this relationship to Jesus Christ might be a real thing in your life and my life. And that it can only be realized on the ground of the grace of God. Now let's go on from there. And we come now to verses 11 through 32. 11 through 32. And the great question is, God's purpose for Israel in the future. What is it? What is God's purpose for Israel in the future? Now, the very first thing we read in verses 11 through 15, it, the question now is read, is God true with Israel? Now, we see them scattered all over the face of the earth. As I have said before, only a small remnant have gone back to Israel. The great majority of Israel is outside of the land of Israel. And it was God through with them. So we read from verse 11. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather, through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles. What for? To provoke Israel to jealousy. Now, if the fall of Israel be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. If by any means I may, may provoke to emulation, I may provoke to jealousy them which are my flesh, and I might save some of them. For if the casting away of Israel be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead. Now, the question I raise in verses 11 to 15 is this. Is God through with the nation Israel? No. But through the fall of Israel, the door was opened for the coming in of the Gentiles. In other words, their fall was made the occasion of salvation to the Gentiles. What for? that God might stir them up to jealousy, that they might turn to God. You can see what the Lord's doing. If he can stir them up to jealousy, that they might turn to the Lord. But you know, in the first century, instead of doing that, the Apostle Paul, one who writes these very things, was beheaded for his testimony's sake. The persecution of the Jew, the nation, against Christian Jews. And yet when they, when they saw, in fact, if you follow the book of Acts through, when Paul went from city to city, starting in, for example, in chapter 16, or even going back to chapter 13, when Paul and Barnabas went out, then later when Paul and Silas went out, and they went from city to city, you'll notice that when they went to the synagogues and certain ones got saved and the Gentiles heard the word of God and a great multitude of Gentiles believed and the Jews became very envious. Instead of the Jews being stirred up to jealousy to turn to their Lord, they did just the opposite. They turned against the Lord. 
But Paul here says, this is what we're doing, and if a few Jews can reach so many Gentiles with the word of God, what would the nation do when it's saved? And this is the back of Paul's mind when you come to God fulfilling his prophetic word. Let me repeat it. If a few Gentile preachers can save a few and bring them to Christ, what would a whole nation that has come to know the Savior do? It means the salvation of the world. And this is what God's going to do with Israel. Here we, for, for example, for 1,900 years, the gospel has been proclaimed to a great many nations just, just through a few Gentile preachers and missionaries. And I've got to say, my friend, after having had the word of God for 1,900 years, we haven't done a good job, have we? Today there are practically hundreds of millions of people in the world who know nothing of the Savior, who know nothing of the Savior. And if, they, and if Israel failed in their job of making known to the nations the oneness of God, can I say very frankly that the Church of Jesus Christ in 1900 years hasn't done its job either? For 1500 years, Israel had the opportunity and failed. And God put them to one side and picked up the Gentiles. And for 1900 years, the Gentiles have had the word of God while the Jews were scattered, being disciplined by God. And now after 1900 years, as I'm sitting here talking to you today, there are hundreds of millions of people in the world who have never heard of the Savior. In fact, except for the question of the radio, uh, this mass media whereby we can reach thousands of people. And when I think, as I read just the other day, that there are over 500 million radio sets in the world. Now, you can go to different parts of the world and in even some of our missionary societies are sending out radios, small radios, uh, to hear the gospel of Christ. And yet I must say that this age is going to end in, in, in violence, in lawlessness. The man of sin is going to come and take over. And there will not be uh, a reaching of the nations of the earth with the word of God until Israel is gathered in, purged, is true, but gathered in and become God's messengers to the nations of the earth. And this is what Paul is really saying. If a few Gentile preachers can reach so many with the word of God, what will happen when a whole nation comes to know the Lord? And this is what's going to happen. As Isaiah 66 declares, a nation shall be born in a day. It's going to mean the salvation of the world. And now you're going to get into the millennium. Now let's go down to the next statement, verses 16 to 24. Verses 16 to 24. And here he talks, he brings up again this question of national privilege. He's not dealing now with the question of salvation, but of divine privilege. He's not dealing uh, with the church at all. He's dealing now with the nation Israel and with Gentiles. Listen to it. For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. If the root be holy, so are the branches. 
And if some of the branches were broken off, and you, Gentiles, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Now you notice this comes right out of what he's been saying in verses 14 and 15, especially verse 15. If the casting away of Israel be the reconciling of the Gentiles, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? And he gives us an intimation of hope here. God is not through with the Jew. He's not through with Israel. Even though they are going back, for example, today, they're going back to the land of Israel today, and most of them are going back in unbelief. Their great theme is not going back to meet the Messiah. They're going back to the land because of Zionism. It's a question of, of nationality. Uh, the question of being uh, going back to the land of their forefathers. Not as a, For the most part, I'm not saying there are not those who go... There are those who are going back because they want the Messiah to come, but they're going back in unbelief. And if you were in Israel today, you'd see that. But nevertheless, God is doing a job today. After 1,900 years of the Gentiles hearing the word of God, he's beginning to gather the Jews together to complete his promises and his covenant with Israel. So he reminds them in verses, verses 16, right on down through verse 24, he's going to again take up this question of why God chose Israel and how he's grafted in the Gentiles, and then we take up the fulfillment of his prophecy concerning the people of Israel. And it's a wonderful picture. And if you have the opportunity, I wish you might turn and read it, the 11th chapter of the book of Romans. What is God going to do for Israel in the future? It's all laid out for us in this chapter, giving us the reason why he turned them away and what he's doing now, the Gentiles are having the opportunity of experiencing the grace of God, and now the Gentiles are going to be cut off to that, from that place of representing him, and he's going to pick up the nation again of Israel and use them for the evangelization of the world. And the Lord bless you today for his name's sake. The fig tree will always give warning To those who would watch through the year Whenever its branch becomes tender Its leaves show that summer is That the time of his coming had signs that would show he is
you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.